Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, our guest today, Helen Lee Buig, is here to talk fake news, misinformation, why it exists, and most importantly, how to stop it. Helen Lee Buig will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program via Zoom June 21st, and the title of her presentation is Misinformation, Why It Exists, and How to Stop It. More details are available on our website. Conspiracy theories have been part of our culture for centuries, dating back to the American Revolution. But it wasn't until the 2016 presidential election that Americans began to see how the Internet could gin up a toxic stew of misinformation powerful enough to drive public opinion and elect a president. Today, algorithms control our news feeds and encourage emotional thinking. Conspiracy theories that were once relegated to fantasies and fanzines are now heard even on the floors of Congress. Despite the wealth of resources that have been devoted to halt their dissemination, fake news, misinformation, and disinformation campaigns continue to attack democratic elections and unravel our social fabric. Banning liars and propagandists from Twitter and removing toxic websites won't make the problem go away. The Reboot Foundation, founded by Helen Lee Bui, which promotes critical thinking through research and Others have found that education must play a primary role in tackling this problem. Despite calls for more media literacy education, research shows that more than a third of American middle school students have had little or no instruction in how to identify a reliable website. Helen Lee Bui, president of the Reboot Foundation, discusses how to identify and combat fake news. Helen Lee Bui tells us today how society can balance free speech and new technologies, and why people choose to reject or confirm information that competes with their worldview, and importantly, how media consumers can better resist becoming a victim of misinformation. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Helen Lee Buig. Helen Lee Buig, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you. This is an important subject. I will just state that right out of the gate. The title of your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation is Misinformation, Why It Exists and How to Stop It. I'm looking forward to this, and I, I know our audience will be as well. You're going to be speaking at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here. We're going to put links to where people can find out more information about you and your presentation. But why don't you start by just telling us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, and in particular, how you're going to use Zoom to engage our audience. We're all using Zoom these days, and so it, it's a fact of our life and existence. So maybe tell us that too. Sure. Um, my presentation will be focusing on the question of misinformation, which has been so prevalent in the news. Um, and in my talk specifically, I hope to explain why we've spe- seen such a spike in misinformation and why I believe that it's become such a problem of late. Um, I'll also be discussing some of the main approaches to dealing with the problem that has emerged thus far, including content moderation and news legislation. Um, And finally, I'll advocate for solutions that focus on improving critical thinking and media literacy, 
both in schools and among the wider population. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, as I say, I just think this is going to be a fascinating conversation we're about to have, and the timing couldn't be better. I think there are just some great things that you touch on. Let's start, though, with this. I yeah. Well, before I, I, I guess I just realized I didn't answer your question on the point about mm-hmm. Zoom. Mm-hmm. Please, um, yeah, tell how me. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's been over a year <laughs> now since we've done a lot yeah. of Zoom. Um, I think all of us. And clearly, as a speaker, it is a little bit frustrating because you don't have that interactivity with and, uh, you know, and get the energy from the reaction of the audience. I guess the benefit, however, is that it does allow people to join who might otherwise have been unable to join and participate. Um, But, you know, the, the flip side of that, I guess, is there are functions on Zoom for uh, different chats or video Q&As, et cetera. So I guess in theory, we can also get some real-time written feedback. So I really look forward to not only uh, receiving feedback, but you know, having it as interactive as we can on Zoom via questions that people might have during the actual presentation um, so that I can tailor um my, my comments uh, to the interests of the mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. I just, I know that there will be a lot of interaction on this subject. We just hear about this, this kind of this fake news all the time. And so maybe you'd tell us, is there a distinction between fake news and misinformation? Well, the term fake news began more or less um, around the 2016 U.S. elections and as kind of a synonym for misinformation. Um, because journalists and commentators started using it heavily to refer to the flood of misinformation that was especially emerging on social media, much of it coming from foreign countries. If you recall, the coining of fake news was perceived to be when there was an article saying that the Pope was supporting Trump. And that's when journalists dug in further. Um, They realized that that article had been coming from Macedonia. However, the term has since become itself an object of contention uh, because Donald Trump and other right-wing populist leaders around the world have seized on the term fake news and really repurposed it it to refer to legitimate news sources that they feel are reporting unfairly on them. So that's why um, at the Reboot Foundation, we're a bit careful about the use of word uh, fake news. Um, and try to focus it more around misinformation. Mm-hmm. Good, that's helpful too. So, how do we how do we identify this mis? I think many of my audience are going to they're going to wonder about what's the difference. You know, what am I seeing? Is it misinformation online? Is it accurate information? How do we identify it? And then I think importantly, how do we combat this? Sure. Unfortunately, um, the there is no simple red herring solution. So it really does need to be multi-pronged. And what I mean by that is there needs to be a focus on education and also uh, legislation and content moderation. But let me first focus on the education dimension. Um, Today, people, practically speaking, are just not equipped to deal with the flood of information and misinformation that's appearing on your feeds online uh, every day. Um, And education can take on many different forms. Um, So what I'm going to outline in my speech uh, in presentation is that we don't really need to have a semester long, very academic 
uh, seminar to solve these problems. Uh, the research that the Reboot Foundation has done has, has shown that quick and easy interventions of identifying fake news, um, even via video games or reading an article or watching a video um, that really talks about big, good basic media literacy practice will help people be better identifiers of misinformation. So that's really the positive message. Um, and what do we mean specifically in terms of uh, b better media literacy, just simple tools like uh, double checking and identifying who is the author, where is the source, how is it being financed, uh, vetting new information, and also exposing oneself to opposing viewpoints uh, when they're gathering information so that we're not tunnel visioned on one specific uh, type of viewpoint about a subject matter the um, education side. And um, in addition to that, when it comes to legislation and content moderation, obviously there is a whole debate around how do you balance between the First Amendment and um, you know, uh, content uh, liberty versus uh, what social media platforms should focus more on so that um, the true uh, distribution of misinformation and disinformation is not continually propagated. And so there, there is some discussion around that as well. Well, this idea of misinformation, conspiracy theories, been around since the, the dawn of time, of course, affecting governments and, and, and society at large. And so I wonder, is this now, because you mentioned online and feeds, is this really just a social media problem? Is that what has exacerbated this and just made this almost catch fire and, and uh, become the issue that it is for you for the Reboot Foundation? Which I do want to talk about the Reboot Foundation too, but let's we'll, we'll get to that in just a bit. I mean, conspiracy theories have indeed been around forever and most likely won't go away. Um, but I do think that social media is a bit more than just the kerosene on the fire. Um, you know, basically, research has proven that conspiracy theory spreads under very specific psychological conditions. Um, and one, uh, people who do poorly on various measures of critical thinking um, are more susceptible to conspiracy theories. Because when people are feeling powerless and insecure, they actually look for very simple explanations that relieve the tensions of uncertainty. And this is where social media historically has this unique ability to both create a sense of insecurity and resolve it with a simple explanation. So it's, it's a combination of these factors that actually do, unfortunately, um, exacerbate, exacerbate the situation of conspiracy theories. It also doesn't help the conditions that we've had in the last year with COVID-19 because people are just home more um, clearly. Um, it's, there's a sense of insecurity and really the unknown as to when uh, we're finally going to get out of this COVID-19 crisis. We're with Helen Lee Week. Helen Lee Week will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates June 21st. The title of Helen Lee Week's presentation is Misinformation, Why It Exists and How to Stop It. Our audience of older adults, we seem to be susceptible to this. And I think this 
is really the essence of kind of your your presentation that that this misinformation is almost pushed to us and the term that we often see is this term of clickbait and so i wonder if you'd maybe define clickbait but then tell us a little bit about this idea that that older adults might be prey to the idea of clickbait or maybe it isn't that way maybe it's irrespective of generation and i wonder if there's this way for us to uh, maybe you can give us a tip or two about how to better stave off some of this misinformation as we're trying to avoid clickbait sure um it's true that there is a perception that older people are more subject to clickbait because uh, we often feel like our mothers or grandparents are forwarding us these different articles with very sensational titles, etc. Um, our Reboot Foundation studies have demonstrated that younger adults, uh, meaning those aged 18 to 30, um, are very much equally susceptible to clickbait as those over age 60. So this is not a older generation versus younger generation adult question. Um, but but so so you know I, I think the, the the other part that is that is noticeable from our study is that um, younger adults are actually even more susceptible to, uh, not being a identif- not being I- able to identify what are true information sources versus uh, public policy oriented uh, deliberate public interest group websites, for example. So this is not a older generation or a younger generation subject, but it is uh, very much the fact that um, everyone is actually susceptible to clickbait. And to to your question about what what is clickbait, it, 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 it is really um, something that is a bit of a sensational headline that, again, preying on people's emotions that uh, is linked to misinformation that people tend to be more alert to because of that sensationalism. Um, again, uh, journalism does look for catchier titles. That's not clickbait. But when it is linked to fake news and misinformation, then that becomes a different challenge in terms of, um, you know, the clickbait uh, problems that we have. So then we we see this online. What do we do about it? What do we try and um, source for, you know, determining our own facts? How do we how do we use critical thinking a little better so that we're avoiding this? Because I think that's what that's what we really need to do. That's it, that you you talk about legislation, but I think it does come down in in many cases to us individually acting. And I think perhaps social, the legislation will help with regard to social media. But being aware and using our own means of distancing ourselves from this misinformation, I think is a is a good place to start. So maybe tell us what do you recommend that we do in order to kind of source our own material. You're absolutely right. And there are just a couple of simple tactics that we can use. So one is uh, we have to talk about digital detox. Um, it, it is taking a bit of a time to step away and um, avoid actual information overload uh, because part of the challenges that we have is that there's so much information and so many different sources out there 
um, that we're, we're somewhat overwhelmed. So it's important to stick to a few trustworthy sources and, um, and, and actually try to uh, change your paradigm of how you're actually and how frequent and also how the, the extent of information that you're, you're trying to consume. The second is deliberately trying to make sure that you're not getting news from different opinions, rather um, actual news sources. You know, good commentary is interesting, um, especially to try to refine your own, own perspective and your arguments. But we need to just acknowledge that that does have, even the best editorial writers, they come from their own perspective. And so there is going to be a bit of, um, you know, a, a differentiated opinion around it. So what's important for us to be good consumers of information is to just get the raw information so that we ourselves can make judgments around it. And then the third is to, this is kind of a classic critical thinking tactic, which is to deliberately look for opposing views um, on, a, on a position. Um, and by doing that, not only will you actually conduct metacognition or think about your own thinking to probe holes into wh where you might have cognitive biases in terms of what you think about a certain level of information, but also to even better refine your own argument. So it's important to also think about opposing views and that will help to become better consumers of information. With your work and your emphasis on the subject of misinformation, I would imagine that just simply being more aware has increased our critical thinking. What is the state of critical thinking today? Are we are we doing this better? Are we learning about some of these misinformation sites and trying to avoid them? Is the is kind of the traffic down on some of these pages, or is the traffic up to some of these websites? Unfortunately, um, while everybody agrees, uh, based on our surveys, that critical thinking is important, uh, when you probe the questions in terms of whether or not people are doing it individually, that's where sort of the sort of the equation falls apart. So, um, if you know, one of our survey questions is, for example, um, how often do you actually seek out opposing views? Um, it's and this is even pre-COVID. Uh, one out of four individuals will directly avoid actually speaking to somebody who has an opposing view. And we've seen these even during elections, the number of family members that could talk to pro-Biden or pro-Trump folks. You know, this is almost a uh, familiar anecdote for all of us. So I think there is unfortunately uh, awareness that critical thinking is important. But where we have a bit of a missing gap is when it comes to actually people practicing um using very simple methods to do better critical thinking, then there is a bit of a discrepancy. This has all been very helpful. You have this really great website. It's uh, called reboot-foundation.org. And again, we'll put links up to where our audience can find out more information about you and the Reboot Foundation website. But maybe tell us briefly about the, about the website. I, I went to the website. I found it to be very helpful. And I think talking about critical thinking and talking about some of these issues is 
it's easy to find information on your website about those subjects. And, and I'm going to try to direct people there, but maybe tell us a little bit about what's there. This is, this is funded by your generosity. Yeah, so um, just to give you a little bit of context, I founded the Reboot Foundation in 2018 to really support um, research around critical thinking education. Um, and an offshoot of that was around misinformation because some of the, you know, the problems of fake news is a bit of a symptom of not people doing less critical thinking. But the origin of the foundation was simply as a mother. Uh, my daughter is now 10 years old. Um, I asked myself the question, what am I doing differently to educate my child dif- differently from how I was taught 30 years ago? Um, in light of the fact that most people, even children, over 90% of the information that they gather is online and not offline. I mean, unfortunately, today you won't even see actually, you know, even Encyclopedia Britannica doesn't publish their physical volumes. So it was really generated from uh, that question. And so the Reboot Foundation not only funds research around critical thinking, so it doesn't become something esoteric, but actually becomes some, a tool that is useful for both parents and for teachers, which is why on our website, we've actually developed a teacher's guide as well as a parent's guide to teach younger children critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also, we continue to do research around what can we do to uh, fight against fake news. Our goal is not to be a policymaker. Our goal is really to try to give pragmatic tools for individuals, uh, for parents, just like uh, myself and yourself. Yeah, I liked this one line from the website, to promote richer, more reflective forms of thought in schools, homes, and businesses. I think for our audience, we need to pause a moment and and, and check out this, uh, use a little bit more critical thinking in our daily lives as we're viewing online resources and step back and uh, be a little use a little journalistic skepticism perhaps in some instances. <laughs> but Helen Lee, we, what a pleasure it's been to talk to you. This is such an important issue. We're going to put links up, as I say, to where people can find out more information about you, about the Reboot Foundation, and more information about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, Misinformation, Why It Exists, and How to Stop It. Thanks for your generous time today, and thanks so much for all the work you're doing with regard to this subject. Thanks so much for having me. My thanks to Helen Liebwig. Helen Liebwig will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates June 21st, 2021, and the title of her presentation is Misinformation, Why It Exists and How to Stop It. You can find out more in our show notes today. My thanks as well to our Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. Of course, my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be well, stay healthy and vaccinated, and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.